Shalom, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. We believe the Torah is relevant for our lives today, God's teachings and instructions. You may very well be part of the first generation to be born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, and have the Torah, a Christian with Torah. Join us as we honor the living God through the study of His Word, topical conversations, and interviews with special guests. Please welcome our hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, everybody, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. I'm your co-host, Ryan Cabrera, and I'm here in Studio B with Pastor Nick Plummer. Hey, Pastor Nick. It's great to be here. What an honor. It is. It is great to be here, and I'll tell you what. I praise God that week in and week out, we get to come here with you folks, and we get to study the Word of God and be filled up with the Holy Spirit through his word and that we get cleansed by the washing of the water of the word to me that is like the ultimate of things to do like if we could do something then washing ourselves then also via the internet and this medium that that's been provided to us being able to help other people wash themselves with the water of the word is just pretty cool i know know, the washing of the water of the word i love that and so here we are we have been doing this christians with torah thing for four and a half years, right? Almost going on five years now. And we've been doing the tour portions for the previous four seasons. So this week, uh, if you wanted to go back and listen to uh, the tour portion, I think it's starting in like Deuteronomy 7 or 8, somewhere around there right now. Um, you can go back and find those tour portions, uh, and there'll be four different episodes on those tour portions that you can go back and listen to. Uh, but this year, we've been doing the uh, book of Matthew. And this has been a fantastic experience. You know, we studied Torah, like I said, for four cycles, week in and week out. And then to go into the Gospels and see the, the true rabbi, the one true rabbi, that can teach us how to interpret Torah through the proper lens is so amazing. Um, and so this week we're in chapter 18. We're going to go through verses 1 through 14. But before we get started, I was reminded, I watched uh, an interview that I did with Jeremy Gimpel, Rabbi Jeremy Gimpel, a while back. And he said this one thing that stuck with me, and I watched it just the other night uh, in preparation for going to Israel and kind of remembering, you know, some things. And he said, referring to his Torah study and his journey of Torah study, that you can do 100% of the laws and still be a crummy person and get a D- minus in life, right? Wow. And I was, and that was, that's a big profound thing. And the question is, where can you find the things, the spiritual things, to fill in the rest of those gaps? And he was saying, you know, the Spirit of God. And I would argue, from the rabbi of rabbis, right? From the teacher of teachers, from the king of kings, the Lord of glory himself, Yeshua HaMashiach, would be my, my statement, because I'm reading this, and I'm getting a glimpse into the things that we've studied over the last four years, and seeing how we can apply them to our lives to actually fulfill the Torah and not get a D minus in life. Amen? That's good. Amen. All right, so we're going to start off by reading verses 1 through 5, where Jesus talks about humble yourself as a little All child. All right, I'll read. Humble yourself as a little child. At the same time came the disciples unto Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child unto him and set him in the midst of them. And said, Verily I say unto you, Except you be converted and become as little children, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoso shall receive one such little child in my name receiveth me. Amen. So this is cool. I noticed very quickly in this that Jesus is a multitasker. Did you catch it? Did you catch it? It says here, it starts off at the same time. Now, if you remember last week when we were studying the book of Matthew chapter 17 verses, uh, what was it, like 14 through 27, starting in verse 24, they get stopped on their way into Capernaum by the tax collector, right? So at the same time this is going on, this other thing is going on with the children. That's good. It's cool, right? Here comes the kids. It's cool. So here's the first question. What did the disciples ask Jesus? Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Do you think this is a good question, Pastor Nick? Or do you think this is a poor, poorly asked question? What do you think? I don't, 
there's something interesting here because as I go back and look at this transfiguration, yeah, God shows his deity through Jesus. Jesus shows his deity, right? Um, then he goes and he, and, he, and he casts out a devil. And then, of course, he, he, he prophesies of his death and resurrection. You know, that, that little nugget right there was very interesting. Like it's the, like the main part of God. Here's Jesus as God. He cast out devils. He destroyed the works of the devil. Yep. The rule of this world has been judged. And then, of course, with the resurrection, we all live, have lived after. We have eternal life. And then all of a sudden, Peter's like, we got to pay taxes. <laughs> right? So here's like the government. Here's the world. On the path. No, yeah. think, think about it. Here's the go- Now, Jesus transfigured. He cast out a devil. And he shared about his resurrection. Right? Yeah. All of a sudden now, it's taxes. And, hey, who's great in the kingdom of heaven? You know what this reminds me of? Like, You've like, seen that movie National Treasure with Nicolas Cage? Oh, yeah. So there's a scene where he gets the Declaration of Independence, and he's hiding it in his jacket, and he's, he goes into the gift shop. And he's got the real Declaration of Independence inside his jacket. And so as, he's, as he, he's like, let the people walk by that he's trying to hide from, he goes to walk out, and the cashier sees him and is like, are, are you trying to steal that? <laughs> and he's like, oh, oh, what, this? And there's a whole stack of like life-size replicas rolled up just like he has in his jacket, you know? And so it reminds me of this because it's like, wait, so the, the king of glory... The creator of the whole universe, you're going to stop him for a tax, right? It's like this like weird, like... It's the government, though. So for him to pay $35 for the real Declaration of Independence, something that has tremendous value, right? Now imagine, the, the king of kings is coming into your city, and you're going to charge him a tax? What? Well, no, but, 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 but it just goes to show you that the premise in which we live, the circumstances we live, here's Jesus' deity shown through the transfiguration. Right. And then, of course, he casts out a devil because yeah. that's what he was here for, to do, to do his bidding. You know? Sure. And then, of course, he, uh, and then, of course, he uh, shares about the resurrection. We have right. eternal life. God came, destroyed the works of the devil. And then, of course, you know, um, and then he's, resur- he's going to be resurrected. We have eternal life. And then Peter jumps out with these taxes. And then, hey, who's great in the kingdom of heaven? So it's almost like here's the worldly system with taxes. And then here's ourself in the world. Like, look at me. I'm great. I'm, how, how, what am I going to do to be great in this earth? So you think that this is a poorly asked question. You think the intention of, of the we'll disciples asking We'll see the bullet points, it. though, and, and, and what they're asking. Sure. You know, what's, what, what's the standard upon this earth? My, my first impression on that question is that the kingdom of God is real. So people that are with Jesus— that have seen him transfigured are asking who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom because now they've seen that the kingdom, like there's actually something to this thing. And I think that's how we should be. Now, maybe not asking the question who gets to be the greatest, but that we should want to be involved and participate in the kingdom of God. Now, the kingdom of heaven is found only in Matthew's gospel. So that's where he says kingdom of heaven. Uh, But it is interchangeable with kingdom of God, which is found in other gospels. Um, so our next question is, who did Jesus or Yeshua call unto himself in the midst of them? So it was a male child. Right. So Yeshua answers the disciples' question by using a child in their midst. Right. So he's going to use him as an object lesson, this male child. Yep. <coughs> and verse 3, and, ve- and he said, Verily I say unto you, except ye be converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. So he's got this object lesson. Right. He brings the child up to himself, and then he makes this statement, except ye be converted. Now this word converted is the Greek word strepho, and it means to twist, i.e. turn quite around or reverse, literally or figuratively. Convert, turn again turn back again, uh, turn self or self about. So this makes me think of Teshuva. What do you, do you get that impression? Well, here's the thing. We're so, like, we'll talk about this, but converted means to turn again like a little child. So he's speaking to adults. Mm. Unless you're like this little child, unless you turn and become like this little child, you won't be great in the kingdom of heaven. That's powerful. Well, and that's, that's I love powerful. the examples that he uses because you're left having to unpack it. There's multiple deeper meanings to what he's saying and things that we have to realize and percolate on. It's not just like, here's this simple statement and we all just check the box and say, okay, done. Right. It's not that easy, right? This is a spirit of the law versus the letter of the law concept. You know, this is a, we have to become 
more like a child. Well, what does that mean? And then we have to now unpack what that means. And so uh, the disciples misunderstand greatness in terms of human endeavor, accomplishment, and status. So they're thinking that they're going to have power and position in the kingdom, or they're thinking that this is something to be strived for, or something that they can do some secret formula. They're asking Jesus, hey, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Well, it's interesting how, why would Yeshua, because 12 is a number for administration, sure. pick 12 tribes, 12 disciples. Yeah, 12 is a number for administration. But I would say this, that uh, as we grow into adults, we become cynical and judgmental. Oof. Two powerful words, cynical and judgmental as we grow older. Things that I don't want to be. No, we don't. Yeah. You know, that's why if, if love is the key to life, then you can look past everything and love people and meet them where they're at. But if we don't start with love, we can be cynical and judgmental and fault-finding and look at all those tats, look at all those body piercings, look at that hair, look at, you know. That behavior. Or whatever. And you're just like, you know, disgusted. And it's like that's not the approach. You know, the natural man can't receive the things of God. You know, we, we have to be redeemed. And so we got to remember that we were those people. Yeah. I was that person. Yeah. Yeah. I catch myself all the time. And that's why he who's forgiven much loves much. Right. Right. That's why it's easier for those that have been through it, you know, to have empathy. Um, so number four here, uh, chapter 18, verse four. Whoever, therefore, shall humble himself as this little child, the same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So here's the thing. So he wants you to churn like a little child to be converted. Get out of your adult state of mind. Yeah. Be like a child. But be humble. Not like yeah. a bossy child or yeah. selfish child. But to actually churn like a child, but be humble. Because, you know, you don't have to teach, you know, kids about possessing toys. Or Selfishness. Things. Selfishness. Yeah. It's like mine, 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 mine. Yeah. And so, you know, my my take on it is, okay, I'm a child, but now he wants to be, be a humble child. Yeah. Know? Humble, not mean or, you know, whatever. So I thought that was interesting. Um, of course, you can elaborate on that humility. Yeah, absolutely. So the humility of a child consists of childlike trust, vulnerability, and the ability to advance his or her own cause apart from the help, direction, and resources of a parent. So this is this is interesting. So what is humility but to be dependent upon God? Huh. I like that. You know, for me, as I was growing up as a, as a young boy, and I had all these responsibilities to do, and as a firstborn, I, I took the responsibilities to heart. And I had to do all these things for my brother and our family because my mother had left and my dad worked a lot. So, you know, if you want something done, do it yourself kind of thing. I'm in control. I know how to do all this, you know. Yeah. I've been, you know, uh, I actually graduated from high school and stayed in Florida. Well, my dad got transferred from Delta Airlines and we could have went with him. But we chose to stay and, you know, make a life for ourselves. Sure. And so with that, though, comes carrying that of course into to my personal life into the pastor's life i realized that i got to depend upon him right he's the parent yeah he's the abba yeah you know and he sees what's going on and some kids don't play fair yeah no doubt some kids are worse off than other kids and bullies not where they need to be or whatever sure. but the point is is that i'm his child how do i act what am yeah. i going to do so i like that i like that part about you, you i want you to be like a child but humble you know, it's um, <coughs> children uh, lack knowledge and experience just by virtue of their age. Because he right. says little child. He doesn't say, you know, he's not, we're not talking about an old child. He's not child. calling babies. Right. Well, we're talking about a little child. Someone, yeah. you know, that is in his, I think of, of, you know, you've got little Ahava, right? Mm -hmm. um, and little Eva. And I've got uh, Aaliyah, you know. And, and other children, too, but I'm talking about the little ones. And I just think of, you know, you as a parent, you can kind of see the world through your children's eyes and see as they light up and they experience new things for the first time and light bulbs go off for them and there's an innocence, right, and right. a trust, right? And so it's so easy for us as adults, like you mentioned, to become cynical, right, uh, or to become hardened, 
because of our life experience. So sometimes right. our life experience is working against us rather than for us when it comes to the things of the Spirit. Because we, in our flesh, are making decisions carnally by the flesh. Whereas we should be dependent completely on God and trusting his plan. So imagine knowing that something is seems on the surface not good in the flesh and in right. the reality of the world. But in the spirit, having that transcendent understanding that God is putting you through whatever it is, right? Maybe it's a trial. Maybe it's uh, something that he's asked you to do. Right. So that humility to trust God is what I think he's talking about here. Because in the end, obviously, God is a good father and he cares for his children. Amen. So whatever the outcome is, it's going to be for your benefit, and it will be better than the outcome if you were to make the decisions for yourself in the flesh. Every time. Right. Every time. That's true. So verse number five here is, and, who shall, and whoso shall receive one such little child in my name receiveth me. I think that's pretty powerful. Read that again. It says in verse five, and whoso shall receive one such little child in my name receiveth me. You know, uh, it says here that uh, if we go back to this particular word, child, very interesting. Um, let's see here. Pideon. Pideon in the Greek. It says here, which is very interesting. It says here, infant. A half-grown boy or girl. It also the connotation is an immature Christian. Huh. <laughs> I, I I get that because you could definitely take that from this. A baby Christian, right? A new believer. It'd be interesting to see how it's used. I mean, but but like I said, infant, a half-grown boy or girl, immature Christian. It's all right there. Yeah. But Dion. So we have a discussion question. Hold on. Oh, okay. Uh, I want to say this though. And whoso shall receive one such little child in my name receive me. Young children are very impressionable. That means easily influenced. That's correct. You know, and, and so, we're gonna we're gonna get there because we got I, some. Yeah. So that 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 little point is made. They're very impressionable. Yep. So here's our discussion question: Why is it that as we get older, we truly desire the innocence of a small child and the days of our youth? I would say this. Uh, if you could go back knowing what you know, you'd have a different perspective. How far back can we go to even remember anything? But yeah. as we get older, we have a lot more to be accountable for and more sins to acknowledge. Oof. Boy, ain't that the truth. So the innocence so of a mistakes, child. You know, so like when I'm sharing my life, my kids can't relate to those decisions I made as a child or, or as a youth or as a teenager and, and a young adult. Yeah. They're like, really, Daddy? Because Daddy didn't know any better. Daddy wasn't redeemed. Yeah. Daddy didn't have Jesus. Mm. And this is what you do when you don't have Jesus. That's right. But when you have Jesus, you have everything you need. Yeah. This is why God impresses on the people of Israel that it's so important that each generation see themselves as if they came out of Egypt. That That there's this experiential thing that happens as we pass down these memorials that are given to us by God and commanded by God. Because if we don't, right, then then we lose we lose the driving force behind why we do the things that we do. That's right. And then and then we just start, you know, we revisionist history and we see what like the status of America and how things are going now. But you know, the innocence of a child is a special thing. Um you know, even me personally, like sometimes I have conversations with my wife because, you know, I have pretty good intentions all the time. You know, I'm, I'm just that type of individual. And as you get older, you start to realize that not everybody has good intentions. And sometimes they're overtly not good intentions, right? It's, yeah. it's not that they just are, you know, because I understand the whole idea of broken people. Because trust is earned. Right, or hurt people, hurt people, things like that. I do get that. But, you know, I'm not so leery in general right i live my life in kind of an open loving manner at least i like to think so but i've right. noticed as personable of, right i noticed as of late that i've been more closed off 
to certain things or certain people or less apt to open myself to maybe new relationships or things like that. And I don't like that, but it's, it's part of that reality, right? It's that, that loss of innocence. And so uh, Danny Vega in our group last night made, said this thing about how knowledge is sorrow. Sometimes knowing is painful. Yeah. And the truth hurts. The truth hurts, right? Oh. So if, if we're thinking of it from that regard that knowledge is, is sorrow, how many times are we trying to protect our children from knowing things? Like we don't have them watch certain movies. Right. We don't let them go certain places. Right. We don't let them deal with certain people. Right. So we're doing these things to shelter our children from certain knowledge. And then the light bulb goes off. And you realize this is what God was doing in the garden to Adam and Eve. There's this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he didn't want them to eat of it because he was trying to protect them. Why? Because the knowledge is sorrow, right? That, the know, some things it's better, right? What do they say? Ignorance is bliss. Sometimes it's better not to know. Now, we've got this weird balance that we have that we deal with in, you know, our current state, and especially in Western culture, where like we don't want to be caught off guard by things either. So there's a certain amount of knowledge that even though it breaks innocence and, and causes a, a sorrow, it's a necessary sorrow because the world is broken and you have to be able to navigate a broken world and a broken system. And so all the horrible things that people do to each other and, and the awful things that go on, if you don't have any knowledge of it, then you're liable to fall victim to it. You know. But then again, there's that balance. You don't want to live your life in a manner well, where you're going to just always be afraid of everything and worry. The thing is, the, the reality is that it used to always amaze me. Like, what is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Well, if you eat from that tree, you decide what is good and what is evil. Correct. You make that decision. Yeah. Like our Supreme Court, the United States of America. Not good. They passed a, a same-sex marriage act. Right. Because they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We know what is good. We know what is evil. Okay, we know what we can determine here. Sure. So you didn't eat from the tree of life. You ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, meaning that you're going to decide what is good and what is evil. And so as Christians, we are considered racist, bigots, prejudiced, because we have morals and values. Right. You know, we hold to a moral code. An absolute. You know, and, and God instituted the, the marriage between a man and a woman. And if we were all gay the humankind would <laughs> right. uh, would pass away, would, sure. would become extinct because you have to go back to the way nature teaches to multiply yeah. just to keep your own sin. Sure. So you got to think, you got to go outside the laws of nature to keep your sin. I know that's deep. I mean, it I'm just is, saying yeah. that. So we got to look at it like that, you know? So, so yeah. So if, 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 if gay was the law then we would never reproduce. Yeah. Because you're going to be with the same sex. Correct. So even nature teaches us what is right and what is wrong. Well, and this this whole thing where, you know, the whole court system only exists because of the fallen nature of man. Because if, if we were under the single judge, the God himself still, then there wouldn't be any need for this secular court system where people are trying to decide what is good and what is evil. Because good and evil would be inherent, God would just establish it. But yet, because he gave us free will... And we use that will to our own demise. Now we have things like a Supreme Court, which, again, is only in existence because of the eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And now we have you to know, make those rendered decisions. But you know what a small child will do to you? Slow you down. Oh, man. I had my little Ahava on Sunday. <laughs> and, 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 and as an adult, you know, yeah. I'm a fast talker. I'm a fast walker. Yeah, you are. But when I got Ahava, everything slows down. I got to button up her dress. That was hard. <laughs> I had to cut up her food. Yeah, man. You know, I had to clean her up. Yep, yep. So, so being a child actually allows you to stop and smell the roses. Sure does. You know, when I stop and thought about it, I really enjoyed doing that. Yeah. And not worried about, well, I'm going to go do this. I wish I was doing this or doing that. Or, But I was actually with her, taking care of her, and it just slowed everything down. And it was like makes me appreciate my wife. Yeah. But then it, it's kind of like the Lord is telling us as adults to slow down. Yeah. You know, I think some of us, you know, God allows us to get sick or get hurt or whatever. It's just so we can just slow down and stop. So yeah. we get our attention. You know? Oh, yeah. 
But anyway, I thought that was good. So you want to get into stumbling blocks with chapter 18, verses 6 through 9? Yeah, let me read verses 6 through 9, and then I'll let you take it It all ties in. It says here, uh, chapter 18, verses 6 through 9, But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were drowned in the depth of the sea. Woe to the world because of offenses, for offenses must come, but woe to that man by whom the offenses comes. The offense comes. If your hand or foot causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you. It is better for you to enter into life lame or maimed rather than having two hands or two feet to be cast into the everlasting fire. And if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. It is better for you to enter into life with one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast into hellfire. So we get into these stumbling blocks. So, But whoso shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me? Now you see, going back to the children. That's right. The adults have a responsibility. It were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and that he were drowned in the depth of the sea. So the word offend is the Greek word scandalizo, and it means to entrap, i.e. trip up. Figuratively, stumble, transitively. 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 There you go. That's some fancy words. It is. (laughs) Or entice to sin, right? Yeah. Apostasy or displeasure. Make to or make to offend. So that's not what you want to do. So Yeshua shares about people being offended in the last days in his Olivet Discourse. In Matthew 24, 10, he says, And then shall many be offended. It's the same word. Scandalizo, and shall betray one another, and shall hate one another. Wow, we don't want to offend our children and have them be betrayed and hate. Uh, once again, many will be offended. Not a few will be offended, but many that leads to betrayal and then hate. So when you look at that word, many will be offended, betray, and hate, Matthew 24, 10, the Olivet Discourse, the word betray is the same word used to describe Judas. So there's this relationship with one another that's broken. Yeah. And so that, of course, would can lead to hate. Uh, in John Bevere's book, The Bait of Satan, I think that this book is highly recommended to read because what you do with the offense will dictate your future. As a pastor, I highly recommend this book in my top five of all time to read other than the Bible. The Bait of Satan. Now, what is a millstone? It'd be better if you had this done to you. It's used for grinding grain. Yeah, this is a big rock. You know, uh, one time uh, I was over at Ara Goat Farms in Israel, and Ari Abramowitz was standing on a millstone as if it were like his little stage, his little platform. That's how big this thing was. I mean, we're talking like the height of the table, you know, giant stone. So I imagine that like this person who hurts a child or causes them to sin is in a boat and there's a chain wrapped around their neck and on the other end of the chain is a millstone and somebody throws the millstone into the water and the attempt is then to try to stay in the boat, right? There's no hope of staying in that boat. It would be better to have a millstone around around your neck, right? That's uh, and be thrown into that water. So that situation is better than what would happen to somebody who hurts a child. Just throw you in the ocean with a millstone, right? Well, that's that's what I mean. Yeah, it's crazy. I know. That's kind of descriptive. It's it is. It's, it's, it is it's a lot. So children are trusting by nature because they trust adults. They are easily led to faith in Yeshua or Jesus. God holds parents and other adults accountable for how they influence these little ones. Yeshua warned that anyone who turns little children away from faith in him will be severely judged. Mm. It goes back to, to the children. Who's great in the kingdom of heaven? A small child. Yeah. Unless you turn and act like this little child and you humble yourself, right? And don't offend the children. That's right. Don't, don't do that. Um, it goes on to say in Matthew eighteen seven, Woe unto the world because of offenses. For it must needs be that offenses come, but woe to that man by whom the offense cometh. Okay? So the word offenses and offense is the Greek word scandalon. And it means a trap stick, bent sapling, a snare, figuratively cause of displeasure or sin, occasion to fall of stumbling, offense, thing that offends a stumbling block. I think in the ESV version, English Standard Version. Some translation use the word temptations instead of offenses. Wow. So an offense is like a temptation. It's a sin. So we have to be careful 
that we do not tempt others or cause others to fall into temptation. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's kind of like I wouldn't invite somebody to go to the bar with you if you want to have a couple of drinks and they've just, you know, they're in rehab. Or, yeah, they're coming out of alcohol. Or, or they, uh, that might not be a good idea Probably to not. sit at a bar with somebody like that. Uh, I think Paul even makes mention of, you know, meat sacrifice to idols. You know, we, we won't get into that, but don't participate in that because... Well, his whole thing on the meat sacrifice to idols is, is that idols are nothing. You know? yeah, they're demons. But that yeah. if, if you know that it is a sacrifice to idols, then you shouldn't take it, right? So there's this whole yeah. idea that your your brother who doesn't who wants to stick to what God says, you shouldn't be offending right. him by doing things, right? Like eating meat sacrificed idols. You know, it's like, you know, as we as we move forward, we just gotta be careful. You know. Don't be cognizant of our others. behavior, you know, like if you see certain behavior or you're gonna be like, you know, I shouldn't act like that because if people see me acting like that, they're going to think it's okay, but I shouldn't have acted like that. Yeah, agreed. agreed. It's like, you know, being mean to waiters or waitresses. Like that's, that's a pet that's the worst. of mine. Why are you so mean and nasty to the server? Yeah. You don't know what they've been through. You don't know what they're doing. Yeah. You know, I mean, you could leave a tip, figure it out, or not leave a tip, but the bottom line is that why give them such a hard... They're serving you. Yeah. I remember having dinner one time with the president of a company, and... um I've never been so embarrassed in the way that somebody treated the the wait staff at my table. Um, I was disgusted. I know you got this the same problem. I'm like, if I see that even in a restaurant, it bothers me. No, I was. It almost like ruins my meal. It was awful, and you know, to, it was a very expensive restaurant. So I, I recognize that when you're paying a large ticket, you expect to receive good service, right? So I I I, I can understand that perspective, but I, there's a way. It's how you carry yourself. It's a way, exactly. So discuss some examples how we could tempt others or cause others to stumble. I just simply put being a bad witness. So what if my kids see that? Yeah. Like I just put somebody down. I'm not real nice to the waiter or waitress or whatever, and I just put them down. They'll pick up on that. So one of the things that I think is a, is a big one is, uh, and, you know, Giovanni actually talked about how he confronted one of his friends recently uh, in kind of a similar situation, uh, that, um, people that are very outspoken about their faith, but then do things or promote things that are not good. Right. So let's just take an example in, in that somebody is very outspoken about their faith, but then they are promoting music that is explicit. And it's like, well, wait a second, this doesn't line up. Like you're like Mr. Christian, but then over here you're promoting things that, you know, degrade women or drop the F-bomb 20 times or whatever, you know, things that are not good. Or, or Christians promoting movies and television shows that are very immoral, right, that you shouldn't have anything to do with, but yet they're very Christian, right? So it's, it's almost like this conundrum where people see the hypocrisy, and it's blatant hypocrisy, right? It's, 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 it's for the world to see. And so the question is, do one or the other, right? Either don't promote it, or don't promote that you're a Christian. That that brings me to a point. Yeah. And I'm not going to get into all the details, but the power of influence. So I've been catching myself to be careful what I might mention because then people are going to want to watch it. Yeah, that's right. Because I mentioned it. Yeah. But I say, don't watch it, but I brought it up. Yeah, period. I, I should have never brought it up. I'm not going to give the example. Sure. But... The power of influence was so powerful, and I and I caught myself. And the Holy Spirit says, "You see your power of influence." Yeah. That when I said it, somebody else came up behind me and said the exact same thing. Uh. About the movie. Yeah. But don't see it or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So what I'm saying to you is, I should have never even went down that road. I should have never done it. Yeah. Because now people are inquisitive, you know. Yeah. So that's why I got to be very careful what I promote and what I say and what I do. If I mention somebody or something, you know, especially some the people in this movement or whatever. All I'm saying is that I look back on that now and it's not going to happen again. Yeah, good. Because I said it and then I realized I, I, I had the power of influence. Yeah. So, so that's just something to think about. So being a bad witness. Um, I think also um, modesty, right? So when we dress immodestly or we behave immodestly or we talk about immodest things crude speech it can cause others to stumble um 
you know, some people uh, have a mindset that other people should avoid, you know, watching th- certain things. Other people should do that, but, but it's okay for me because I'm strong, right? It doesn't affect me the way that it affects others. And those people are delusional and they're fooling themselves. All of us should be protecting our eye gates and our ear gates uh, from things, right? Garbage in, garbage out. And so yeah. when we, like you mentioned, mention a movie, right? <laughs> or, uh, or we expose other people to like, say we're showing people videos, right? You know, I see this all the time. People showing other people videos and I'm like, why are you doing that? You know, it causes other people to stumble because they don't know what those people are exposed to or how sensitive or it, desensitive It's so rampant, Ryan. I mean, I'm just going to be honest with you. This this culture is, is wicked. It's wicked. It's now, absolutely wicked. For God so loved the world, the world, but the, the world in, in, the, in the Greek, the cosmos, he doesn't like the system. Right. And it's really, really, it's bad. I it mean, it's bad. I, I don't know what else to say. I didn't realize it would ever get this bad. But you literally have to discipline yourself because it's so free. It's so there. It's it's at your fingertips. Yeah, it's really unfortunate. You got to decide on really what you want to do and how you want to do it. You know, sure. you got to have the fear of God. Yeah, because we get inundated, you know, with all these images and videos and things, and 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 it's only natural that we're we're stimulated by it, and so we continue to be stimulated because this is nothing but a computer. Oh yeah. You know, I I, I use the Blue Letter Bible app. I got all kinds of cool stuff on here. And my, I probably spend a little time on the YouTube channel. To, I can pick and choose some things or have a subscription to watching a few things or whatever. But like I said, to me, it's like there's just so much. Well, it's such a ref- I, I it's, it's such a refined microcosm of our free will. I can't even believe how much is on there. Yeah, all the apps, all the all the other things. So let's let's move on to. Uh, Matthew chapter 18, verses 8 and 9. Wherefore, if thy hand or thy foot offend thee, cut them off, cast them from thee. It is better for thee to enter into life halt or maimed rather than having two hands or two feet to be cast into everlasting fire. And if thine eye offend thee, pluck it out, cast it from thee. It is better for thee to enter into life with one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire. Yep. You know, think about this judgment. Unless those days shall be shortened, no flesh shall be saved, the Bible yeah. says. So all I'm saying is that, wow, you heard a child. Why don't you put a millstone around your neck and just drop yourself in the ocean? Yeah. Oh, really? You got some troubles in your life? Cut your hand off. Pluck your eye out, right? I'm thinking <laughs> Yeshua uses hyperbole, intentional overstatement, yep. to emphasize the necessity of rigorous self-discipline and radically removing sin from the disciple's life before it leads to judgment. Right. So let's Oh my gosh. So let's be very clear. Your hand, your foot, and your eye don't cause you to sin. Okay? So this is how we know this is overstatement. This is how we know it's hyperbole. Hyperbole. Your hand does not cause you to sin. Your hand is your hand. It's your brain that controls your hand. <laughs> so we can cut so your is brain this off. Hyper- hyperbole. Is that like an exaggeration? Correct. Yeah. This is like the Donald Trump syndrome. Intentional overstatement. You know, hyperbole. It's the greatest. Everything's amazing. These are the best people in the whole world. Yes, tell me more. <laughs> These people are awful. They're terrible. Like a week later, you know, it's, it's the hyperbole. Um, and some people, that's just part of their style. This is obviously an intentional overstatement. But this is why I admire Orthodox Jews, Amish people, um, people that have specifically taken things out of their lives because it's better to live without electricity than to be or cast TV, in the hellfire. No fire. TV in the house. It is better to to live in XYZ manner than it is to live in sin and to then end up losing your very soul to that sin and end up in the, you know, the lake of fire. Wow. I don't think that anybody can argue with that statement. Now, does that mean that we can have varying degrees of how we're protecting ourselves? Yes. But the point is whatever it is that causes you to sin, cut it off and then cast it away from you, get it away from you. So if it's a smartphone, you know, for a man or a woman, they, they can't handle this because this is the portal to what is causing them to That's send. True. Get yourself a flip phone. Get a flip phone. Just do it, right? Yeah. Get a flip phone. I don't know how many times I have to say this, but... And that's why we have the Holy Spirit to help us with our convictions. Exactly right. Exactly so, right. so the Greek for hell is Gehenna. So... Once again, well, there's multiple into hell like three yeah. words for hell. So yeah. the Greek for hell is Gehenna, a name derived from the valley of the son of Hinnom near Jerusalem. 
2 Kings chapter 23 and verse 10 and Jeremiah chapter 7 verse 31. Jeremiah chapter 19 verse 2, where rubbish was constantly burned so that it came to be a metaphor for the fire of hell. Yeah, Matthew 3:12, Revelation 20 and verse 15. The lake of burning trash. You know, let me let me make it perfectly clear that we believe in the doctrine of hell. Hell is a real place. Oh, yeah. They say that Yeshua spoke more about hell than he did heaven. So hell is a real place designed for the fallen angels, but men, people choose to go there. Uh, I know there's this big move that, that hell was created to, to put the fear in people. The church can control and all this. The meaning but, that it was made up. Yeah. So yeah. hell, the doctrine of hell is real. I wouldn't take any chances. For sure. You know, either way. So discuss some areas of your personal life that you have had to cut off or remove in order to live an obedient life. Mm. So the example given here is actually cable TV on our yeah, little Yeah, I, I I did that. I personally canceled cable TV, and now cut the I, cable. And now I'm here. Cut the cable. Like I can tell you that the decision to cancel the cable is is directly related to where I am today within the Hebrew roots because I had to go find other sources of filling that time that I was watching cable TV right. with. You know, so I got rid of and what you know what getting rid of Fox News, CNN, MSNBC because that's what I would do. I would watch the news. Yeah. And, the not so news news, right? Yeah, uh, and and that'll rot your brain, right? So that's that's one piece of it. Um, I would say also, uh, if there are people in your life that are from your old life that are still involved in that old life, and they're always trying to encourage you to go Ooh, and be part of that, old friends, cut those people out of your life. It does not mean that you hate those people. It right. just means that if you love them more than you love Jesus, you don't deserve Jesus. That's good. And Old friends. Jesus says that. My, my thing was alcohol back in 2013. Can you believe it's been, what is that, almost 10 I, years I now? had to cut it off because yeah. I, I couldn't manage alcohol. But that's 2013 now. That's, what, how many years now? So nine, nine years. Yeah, nine wow, years. High five. Nine years. That's what I'm talking about. Sober and loving it, man. Get it. I, I've kept it yeah. by God's grace. Amen. But these are all the battles we have in life. That's right. You know, I, I always like, I was so frustrated. Like I'm like, why did God allow addiction? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because it's just uh, drugs and alcohol is a terrible thing right now. It's pharmacia. Yep. So we're going to get into, because uh, we have the two subject matters here, which is kind of cool. Humble yourself as a little child. And then, of course, the stumbling blocks. So now I get to read and turn it over to Ryan, I believe, right? My uh, turn to read? Yeah, it, yeah, is, it is your turn. So to we're going to get into this parable of the lost sheep, uh, which is kind of cool, you know, because if you have little children that are supposed to watch out for and all this other stuff. Uh, let's see here. Okay. Uh, the parable of the lost sheep, Matthew chapter 18, verses 10 through 14. I'm going to read that and then turn it over to you. Okay. Take heed that you despise not one of these little ones. Here we go. <laughs> for I say unto you, that in heaven their angels do always behold the face of my Father which is in heaven. For the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. How think ye, if a man have a hundred sheep, and one of them be gone astray, doth he not leave the ninety and nine, and goeth into the mountains, and seeketh that which is gone astray? And if so be that he find it, verily I say unto you, he rejoiceth more of that sheep then of the ninety and nine which went not astray. Even so, it is not the will of your Father which is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. Praise Going God. back to the kids again. That's right. Like we're all kids. Yeah. He's, you know, because you get to do all the good stuff here on this one. Oh, yeah. You get all of this. That's right. Man. We, we can share it. We'll see. We get it together. So verse 10 and 11 says, Take heed that ye despise not one of these little ones. For I say unto you that in heaven their angels do always behold the face of my Father, which is in heaven. For the Son of Man is come to save that which was lost. Wow. So these words ring out sharply in cultures where children are taken lightly, ignored or terminated before they have the chance to live. If the angels assigned to these little ones have direct access to God, the least we can do is to provide children easy access to us, no matter how busy our schedules are. You know, I remember being a child and there being certain adults that did not like kids. Not because they overtly said they didn't like them, but you could just tell, right? They didn't like dealing with kids. And then as an adult, um, sometimes even me personally, 
I can be annoyed in certain situations where there's kids. I mean, I have four of my own, but there's still those situations, right? Uh, and I think most of the time I'm more annoyed with their parents than I am with them. <laughs> if that makes sense, you can take that where you want it. But um, I think that we have to look at children and see them through the love of Christ and see Christ because that's what he's saying here. Receive them and receive me. So when we see children, we should be loving on them, giving them our time, you know, encouraging them, helping them, uh, especially when they're in need, right? Protecting them, all, all of those things. And, uh, and if one of them happened to be lost, Jesus makes it very clear that he would go after them. Amen. And so verses 12 through 14 say, How think ye if a man have a hundred sheep and one of them be gone astray? Doth he not leave the ninety and nine and goeth into the mountains and seeketh that which is gone astray? And if so be that he find it, verily I say unto you, he rejoiceth more of that sheep than of the ninety and nine which went not astray. Even so, it is not the will of your Father which is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. So think about this for a second. It kind of has occurred to me because I, I think of this and I think that people always see themselves as the one that has gone astray, that Jesus has come after. And I think that that is one of the pieces that this parable is trying to express, that those of us that have gone astray, and everyone has gone astray, Jesus has come maybe after us. Maybe it's human, the humankind, all of the inhabitants of earth. I'm just saying. Like, yeah, yeah, like yeah. He would, he's got 99, but boy, he wants that one. He wants that one. So, yeah. And then, and, but then I think, and I realize that he's not saying be the one. But, is that a believer or unbeliever? I think in both cases. Because it says is, they went astray. Maybe we were all born to serve and love God, yeah. but we go astray. You know, so we're creating his image. I, I don't know the connotation here, but it goes back to the little ones, to children. So maybe he looks at all of us like, hey, we're his children. Well, and he wants us to love him as a father. Yeah, yeah, but absolutely. But maybe, okay, we don't do that. Mm. I don't know, man. It's, the whole free will thing is bizarre. And the mystery of iniquity. Well, in this, but this gives kind of two. See, here's the thing: Jesus gives these balanced statements because he's not saying be the one. He's saying that you know the shepherd obviously rejoices over the sheep more than he does the ninety and nine that didn't go astray, right? But then he says, even so, even though that's the case, it is not the will of your Father which is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. And I think in this case, it's go astray. It's not his will that they would go astray, even though he goes after them to get them. This ties in with teshuva. It's not his will that they would perish or go astray. I also think about the prodigal son when I think about this balanced statement, right? Because it's not the will of the father that right. one should go astray. It's the will of the father that you would be one of the 99. But in the prodigal son... We talk about the older brother and how the older brother was jealous of the one because the one that's the prodigal gets all the attention. They throw this big party for him. And what did he do? He went and squandered his inheritance. Or we're throwing a party for this guy? How stupid is that? You know? And you, so you can imagine being one of the 99 sheep and being like, well, the shepherd never put me on his shoulders. But you know what I Carried heard? me around. You know what I heard, though? So the, the younger brother got a third. The older brother got two-thirds. Well, the older brother always does get a but double portion. But what I'm portion. saying, the, the, the younger brother already squandered it, the one-third. Yeah. Now no. think about this. The older brother is in charge now. Oh, absolutely. He's got the estate. That's right. So Come maybe. On now. Come so on. maybe. Lay he's the going, best man win. But maybe. But what I'm saying <laughs> is that so he's going to have to look out after his little brother. Then it goes back to to, to yeah. like when a Jew goes or, or a Hebrew goes into debt. Right. You're supposed to help them. Yeah. 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 So like if they're in debt, then they have to be released. They they, they serve for a period of years and they pay the debt off. Well, that's why you can't charge usury to So that's what I'm saying. This whole thing is so tied into. And here's the thing, and and, and I would say this, and I'm not being mean. Okay. I think most Jews want their fellow Jews to succeed. Oh, yeah. I think they're in it to win it. I I think think they say, hey, I'm going to impart into you. I'm going to help you. You know, that's just the way I believe it is. That's what I've witnessed and seen, but I think with Christians, it's it's like, you know, you're in it I for yourself. I was just listening. You're in it for yourself. So, like, like I'm going to succeed. I want to succeed. Yeah. But what if you're a person that says, I want you to succeed. I'm going to help you. Right. Well, then I would succeed. Right. Eventually or whatever. Right. Because I would have your back or you would help me to succeed. Correct. But if you're just, like, independent, 
I want to succeed, but how are you going to succeed without others? I'm just saying. Right. I, I, I agree with you, and I have evidence. So I was listening to Yishai Fleischer's podcast the other day, and Malka was like, you know, because they're always making the call out to the Jews that are out there in the world, like, come to Israel, come oh, and I live know. with us. And how what a great couple. Well, and 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 sometimes, you know, Yishai just wrote an article about Ben Shapiro because when Ben Shapiro was over there in Israel, somebody asked him, "Are you making Aliyah?" And that question amongst the Jews is like a gotcha question, Yeah, you know? And I so know. rather than using it as a gotcha, it's not really fair. he's expressing that there's more than one level of making Aliyah. Ben Shapiro is here talking about Israel. He's using his influence to help Israel. He's giving money to Israel. How do you want to, but you want to look a gift horse in the mouth and be upset with him, right? Well, Malka was making the point to the people that are out there in the world. She's like, you don't have to be Ben Shapiro. You don't have to be some rich guy for us to want you to come. Like you can be poor, middle-class, rich, Come one, come all, come Jews, and we will stand together as Jews and help each other and all this stuff. And it was cool because she's making that call to all classes. Like, it doesn't matter who you are or where you're from. That's good. Come and join, you know, and that was a, a cool statement. So I, so I, I affirm or confirm your, uh, your statement there. I like that. So our last little bullet point here is this. Just as a shepherd is concerned enough about one lost sheep to go search the hills for it, so God is concerned about every human being he has created. He is not willing that any should perish. When you come, to contact, in, come in contact with children who need Yeshua, steer them toward him by your example, your words, and your acts of kindness. So let me read Second Peter 3, 9. Okay. Because that's the reference here. He is not willing that any should perish. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. Amen. As some men count slackness but is long-suffering to us, Ward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That means turning. It's not just confession, it's turning. That's what Pastor Robert Morris was talking about. Repentance means actually yeah. confession, but turning. Yeah. You know. So, yeah, so that's a really good point. And, and it all ties into children. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? Yeah. So, 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 you know, another point to be made is this. And I've had this brought to me. Pastor Nick, why don't those people left? Why don't you go after them? They don't want to be here. You can't force sheep to be in the pasture that you have. Yeah. They choose to leave the pasture. You, you, you know, and, and, and I've heard it said from another minister, that was the one mistake that he wished he would have corrected, that he wouldn't have gone after all the people that had left mm. because it was, it was in vain. You know, so I think we don't want to take this out of context right. as far as what's being said here. Sure. Because I think that if someone's hurt or you know of somebody or you reach out to somebody, you can do that as a pastor or a shepherd. But some people are meant to leave. Yeah. You know, and they'll even come and go and still kind of cause some trouble. They just haven't quite found themselves. Sure. You know, I don't think the church is a place to complain. A church is a place to give. So when we complain, we're not even giving. And sure. then we want to get. Yeah. We're not just complaining, but we you owe me. The church owes me this. The church should give me this. The church should give me that. No, 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 no. The church is a place for us to give. Yeah. When you really think about it, it's so true. Yeah. You know, when you say things like, you know, I don't get this and I don't get that and you know, I, I don't know. It's like I, I what agree. Do we do? I agree that I that is the right attitude, is the giving attitude. But for those of us that that get it. It's not for us to question the motives of those that don't. Right. It's just for us to serve and love. Right. And that's the example that Jesus gave. Um, all right. So what two points can be learned from Matthew 18, 1 through 14? All right. I'll do my two, and then you can close us out. Okay. Number one, to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, you have to come to the Father like a child. Mm. You know, I got a little Ahava. She'll be two. December 1st. Wow. So I don't know how many months that is, but it's, it's, she'll be two. She's like 19 months. So I, she sleeps with my, my wife and I, because yeah. she's little. Yeah. And we just like that when they're little, then when they grow up, we put them in a crib or a bed or whatever. Yeah. But we just enjoy it while we can. Sure. But I just look at her little face when I get up or in the middle of the night, whatever. And I just touch her little face and I say, Lord, I want to be like a Hava. Yeah. You know, just, innocent yeah gosh we just get our innocence you know so so i think about that and even my my children you know they haven't made the mistakes that i've made amen they have their whole life ahead of yep. them 
you know, and they have a mom and a dad, you know, and I'm so grateful for that, you know. And so so with that, though, thinking about that, uh, to be greatest in the kingdom of heaven, you have to come to the father like a child. And it goes back to the time when the, the Lord was the father was really trying to minister to me. Because I really believe in the Godhead, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And uh, each one of them can speak to you individually. I just believe that. Sometimes sure. you'll feel like, man, that was the Father, that was the Son, or that was the Holy Spirit, or sure. I have an unction. I'm just saying that the three are one. So I don't want to get into the whole deity argument or whatever, but I believe in the Godhead and, and deity. But, but I only say that, you know, I had a time where the Father said, you know, I want you to come to me as a son. You're, you know, you're... You're a husband, you're a father, you're a pastor. Would you come to me as a son? Amen. Would you be my son? Yeah. Just come to me. And it changed my life. Yeah. Because now when I go to him, I can go to him as a son. Yeah. And it's been good, but at the same time, it's like, you know, getting to know my father, you know, we've had some rough patches. Sure. Sure. We just have, you know. Yeah. And if I look back at my own teenagers, it's the same thing. Yeah. You know. One minute, you know, we're getting into it. Next minute, I'm giving him my food. <laughs> but it's like, in the end, I know that my father, he knows what's best Yeah, for one me. minute you're giving him but I have to grief, that and I have the to next say minute it. he's feeding you. But I actually have to say that. You know, I actually have to say mm-hmm. what I have to say. I have to say, Father, you are faithful. Amen. Father, I believe in your perfect will. That's right. I desire it. I want. I ask for wisdom. You have not because you ask not. I'm asking all the time and then thanking him. But I only say that because it's important. So that's number one. Number two, don't cause others to stumble or tempt them. Mm. You know, it's kind of like, you know, let's just say whatever. Maybe the Daniel fast is going on. Someone says, hey, man, they just bring coffee in here and they're drinking coffee in front of everybody. Uh, Donuts. That's just little things. Yeah. Or whatever. But it's like, like, okay, you know, um, there's just things that we can do to not cause people to stumble. That's right. You know, it's kind of like, um, let, how about this though? You just want to be friends with somebody and just get along with them. And so they kind of sp- say something out of their mouth and just say, oh yeah, I would do that. That's great. You have every right to do that, but it's bad counsel. Sure. Only because you wanted to encourage them. Yeah. That could cause people to stumble. Absolutely. That's, that's, that's a stumbling block. Yep. You know, See, every situation is unique and different. We'd be so careful because I know even like with you, you show me in the Bible like, Pastor Nick, it says this. That's right. And you're right. Yeah. It's like when David ate the showbread, you know. He wasn't supposed to eat the showbread. No, of course not. But he had a situation That's right. where he was hungry and he was with the men, but they weren't with women. And right. he was able to eat that showbread. So we sure. can't take the cookie cutter out. And I realized this, that, you know, God has a way of uh, doing some things. He sure does. So, so those are my two. And it's it's a lot. Yeah, you, I mean, there's a lot there. That's the whole. The I whole mean, thing this whole we, world. If you stop and look at our social media and our culture, everybody is causing everybody to stumble. Yeah. You know that's why even on AM radio, a lot of times, even among the conservatives, you know, when you talk evil of someone or talk down on somebody or put somebody down, whether it's Nancy Pelosi or the president, and you really degrade them in a bad way, I don't think that that's that's God's way. No, I agree. I mean, I think we can laugh at some of the jokes and some of the memes or things that are out there a little bit. I kind of chuckle a little bit. But we really should be praying for our government and our leaders and be mature about yeah. it. Because it's so easy to get up in the bully pulpit, you know. Oh, yeah. Just like with this thing with, uh, you know, the FBI raid over, you know, Trump's home and stuff. It's like there's a lot to the story and everything. But it's like, you know... Um, we have to respect, you know, the organizations, the CIA, the FBI. We know that there's a lot of uh, corruption and stuff. Oh, yeah. But at the same time, it's like, you know, uh, the FBI, the CIA, the NSA, all these organizations are here to protect us and help us. But if it's misused or or if it's misdirected, then what happens? We just want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Defund the police, you know. Yeah. I don't, I don't agree with that. So I'm going to turn it over to you and you can close it out. So uh, my two two. points, Uh, the first one, this was a lyric that I suppose um, Alisa had written uh, many years ago, and it goes like this, 63,360 inches makes a mile, but no flavor of compromise is mild. And it was an interesting little lyric that she had written, I guess, a while back, and uh, it's very true, and I think it's relevant to this portion, because what happens is we think... Because we were talking earlier about, you know, what we watch, what we see, you know, what we expose ourselves and others to. 
And each one of those little things that we allow is a compromise. And so sometimes we think it's like this slow fade. Oh, it's just mild. It's no big deal. But it's like, eh, I don't, I don't know about that. You know, why, why would we allow ourselves to compromise? You know, my second point uh, was I heard from Christina, my daughter. What's uh, your first one again? Is uh, 63,360 inches makes a mile, but no flavor of compromise is mild. That was her. Wow. Yeah. Well, because that's, you're going about life. That's right? deep. And, and then we make these little compromises. So you wouldn't have got that without the group. That's right. And little by little, we end up turned in the wrong direction. Wow. Because of every little compromise. Right. Because there's really no such thing as a little compromise. Um, and then the second point was from my daughter, Christina, and it's, it's never too late to get in touch with your inner child. You know, we need to be enjoying life and experiencing the joy of the Lord as a child. I think of, um, you know, the joy of being a, a young child with your father and what a joy that really is. You know, I have memories of my father when I was young and, um, and even still today, but, um, I'm very blessed to have my dad live locally and be around right. and stuff. So that's true. Um, but enjoy I, him. But especially as a little child, you just experience enjoy it him. and love it more. Um, and I think that that's how we need to be experiencing God. That's good. Amen. So, Father, we love you and we thank you for this word that you've given us. And we just ask you to to tenderize our hearts, Lord, to circumcise us, that that we can remember and to be like little children in your face in your eyes in your sight that we would come before you humble unassuming and ready to do whatever it is that you've asked us to do we pray this in yeshua's mighty name amen 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 all right praise the lord yeah bless everybody under the sound of my voice i pray that you guys are doing well uh, if you need anything, please comment, you know, like, subscribe. Let us know what you think. Email me. My email address is ryan at twopraise.net. And uh, I don't know. Bless you guys. Have a great week. <laughs>